We are giving away four children's cooking books, Mimi's Adventures by Alyssa Gangeri from the Buttermilk Ranch. Go to our Instagram page at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Like the page, like Buttermilk Ranch. Share with somebody who'd like to have the books. Go do it now. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We continue our December uh, excitement with random episodes. Like I said, we're going to do some fun stuff, and today is no different. Today, we are doing an episode for Brandon's Book Club. So I had this idea like a year ago that uh, I always read books with the leaders of my team and we talk about them and it's kind of fun. I thought, hey, let's open this up to a lot of people. Maybe we can make a podcast out of it. We'll bring some leaders in. Whoever wants to read the book, they don't have to be leaders. It could be anybody. But you guys come in and then we would uh, discuss it and it would be fun. So we did that and this is the result from it. We read a book called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter and today we jump in and we discuss it. You can hear the sirens going by. We're right close to Vanderbilt Hospital, so we're on the main route there. This is what we do. So uh, one of the things we do with Brandon's Book Club is we brought the people in. We brought in today Stephen Smithing. He is the owner of both of uh, my restaurants, the Green Hills Grill and Maribel. We bring in my sister, and she is the CSO of the Rapha. Uh, it's a it's a nonprofit, uh, and we bring in Justin Maestas, who is, I think he's the owner of Shared Spirits. I think that's what he is. And then you've got um, Matthew Clements. And Matthew Clements is an insurance agent for Robbins Insurance. He's our insurance agent. It's so fun to get everybody together in the same room to discuss this. We had four mics and five people, so we had to kind of switch them up a little bit. And uh, it was just a fun episode. We all got to sit in a room, and I thought we had some really good, lively conversation around the book. So if you have never heard of the book or whatever this 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 should let you in on it it's about getting outside your comfort zone and growing and uh, it was a lot of fun we uh, also announced that this next brandon's book club is going to be will gadera uh, his book unreasonable hospitality which is uh, i have read it already and i cannot wait to read this book with you guys here's the deal i'm giving away 10 copies of it so if you guys want to read this book with me i will buy you a copy but then you gotta join us on the show and when you can join live you don't have to be in studio you can join anywhere in the world uh via uh, Streamyard, and i will put this out there we have a facebook page it's a facebook group called brandon's book club feel free to find it and join it we'd love to have you there and uh, it's just a it's just a way to hold you accountable to read some books, listen to some books, whatever it might be. If you want to go buy the book on your own, um, if you want to like listen to it, whatever you like to do. If you're one of the first ten to message me uh, at my Instagram page at Brandon underscore NRR, I would be happy to pay for it for you. So there you go. I want to invest in you and your betterment and joining this book club. We have a lot of fun doing it. So this episode today is going to be brought to you by Robbins Insurance. It was Matthew Clements who brought this book to me, and they wanted to sponsor this. So we are so honored to have Robbins Insurance to be one of our sponsors. The whole episode is being sponsored by insurance companies. If you are out there and you have a restaurant and you work with some national brand that you don't know who your rep is, 
my main theme here on this show is you got to have a guy. You got to have somebody who you can call. And we've had some situations in the restaurant where we need to call somebody. And I can call Matthew. It's great. I call Matthew and he's like, I'm on it, man. And he knows the restaurants and he knows what he does. And he comes in and dines in the restaurants. And it's just, it's just amazing. He's just one of those guys who is absolutely not only like our insurance agent, but he's also a really good friend. And I just can't say enough amazing things about Matthew Clements. You can call Matthew Clements right now. His number is 863-409-9372. Again, he's with Robbins Insurance. And uh, if you need any kind of insurance, I think they can totally take care of you. But if you need health insurance, guys, this is a big one. I think I read like three of 10 Tennesseans don't have health insurance. Something crazy like that. I think it's even higher in the restaurant industry. And that is what my friend Dan Marr is here to do. Uh, he is with Southern Health Insurance. His number is 832-816-8602. He can offer you, ready? So if you're in good health, mostly healthy, uh, if you are part of a growing family, this is perfect. You know, if you need life insurance and you do need life insurance, he has that too. This is health insurance, vision dental and life insurance, he can set you up. So he can set you up if you're an individual and he can set you up if you're a restaurant, if you have one restaurant or if you have 50 restaurants, he can do it. He has a way, they've got multiple companies that join this big massive group so you can get discounts. It is affordable health insurance that you can offer your team. This is something going into 2023 that you absolutely need. And we are giving away, we're doing a big contest the whole month of December through January the 15th. We're giving away four tickets to a Preds game and we're giving away two tickets to a Preds game. And uh, if you call every one of my sponsors uh, until then, I will give you $100 cash. So there's a lot of uh, small incentives here. What we want you to do is we want you to call our, uh, we want you to call our sponsors. We want you to utilize our sponsors because these are not only just people who pay to be sponsors. They support me, which helps support you. Uh, the locally owned and operated restaurateur, as well as um, it, it's just, uh, it's, they're amazing. These people are my friends and I use them all. So uh, I can personally vouch for them. Give them a call, let them come in, let them show you what they're doing and let them do a demo. Uh, let them just check out what you currently have, let you know if you're doing, if you got the best stuff you can possibly have. Uh, that is Dan Marr at Southern Health. Southern Health Insurance. Again, you can email him at dan at southernhealthins.com. His number is 832-816-8602. And then you also have my good buddy, Matthew Clements. Uh, he is somebody who I definitely recommend you call. His number is 863-409-9372. And with that, let's jump into this episode right now with Brandon's Book Club. All right, everybody, super excited to have you here. I don't know who's actually joining us, but we are doing Brandon's Book Club today. This is something that um, I have a, a leadership team in our restaurants, and every month we read new books. And so I'm constantly reading books with the leaders in our in our network, and it came to me that, they, hey, we're really cool if I shared this across the podcast network. So we've done a few books. It's not real organized. <laughs> it's terrible. But I have a, a, a group of people here today who all read Michael Easter's The Comfort Crisis, and we are going to go around the table and kind of everybody share who they are, and then we're going to get into the genesis of this book, and we're going to talk about how it's changed your life or not changed your life, whatever the thoughts may be. So we're going to start right to my left, uh, 
what I'm asking everybody to do is just kind of tell us a little about yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll go back around and, and share the thoughts on the book. So directly to my left is Stephen Smithing. I am Stephen Smithing. I own two restaurants here in Nashville. Just celebrated my 30th year working at uh, Green Hill School. And have uh, four children, lovely wife who works with us. But things are good. Things are good. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Stephanie? Hello. I am Stephanie Still, and I am Brandon's sister. And um, I work at the Rafah Institute, which is a nonprofit here in Nashville that does restorative justice. And I've spent, I spent about 14 years of my life living overseas and uh, like to do a lot of challenging things. So I thought this book was really interesting and I can't wait to talk about it with you all. Can't wait to talk about it with you, Stephanie. First time my sister's been on the pod. Um, so I am Justin Maestas. I uh, spent 10 years in the restaurant business, moved into distribution for about 15 uh, now I have my own marketing company, Shared Spirits. Got three ladies under the age of 16 in my household. Uh, unfortunately, I lost my wife last year, and the comfort crisis really came into my life at a really interesting time, and it hit me a lot. I love it. Justin, I'm glad you're here. I am Matthew Clements. Um, I am an insurance agent with Robbins Insurance Agency here in Nashville, Tennessee, specializing in the hospitality and food and beverage industry. Uh, I've been in the food and bev or hospitality space to some extent my entire life and um, love what I do. I am married um, and my wife and I are expecting our first little one in I don't know, six weeks or something. Uh, yeah. So, um, he's about to get real uncomfortable. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, 30, 30 uh, years worth of them. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So I am rereading the comfort crisis, uh, for the second time, uh, to get prepped for this new venture. I, I absolutely thank you all so much for joining today. And when I first learned about this book, it was because Matthew posted on LinkedIn or wherever it was that, Hey, I just all platforms, all platforms. <laughs> but he said, this book has literally changed my life. And I was like, Holy shit. That's the, that's the, the first part of when somebody that I respect talks about a book, I'm like, I, I got to read that. And so I jumped in and, um, I loved it, but Matthew, tell me how you learned about the book and kind of how this whole thing started. Sure. So my wife, Erin, uh, she is a pharmaceutical sales rep. So she's on the road quite a bit going back and forth in middle Tennessee. And she is a kind of a podcast junkie, but loves to also listen to books on tape. And she was kind of, you know, going through, I think she read um, uh, Atomic Habits or listened rather to Atomic Habits. And, and was, James Clear. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, a few others that I think her manager just suggested, hey, while you're in the car, these have been beneficial to me. I think you might enjoy them. And she listened to The Comfort Crisis. And just kind of knowing who I am, she goes, I think this book will speak to you. I'm a avid outdoorsman, or try to be when I have time. Uh, that will probably uh, shorten. I won't be able to do that quite as much here coming up soon. Um, but... Um, she goes, I think this book's going to speak to you. And I am not one to really read kind of self-helpy type of books. It's not really ever been my thing. Um, but I said, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And, um, you know, in my career and life, lots of things can be stressful. And um, it was just at a time that there was a lot of change going on. And so I dove right into the book. And almost immediately, 
it grabbed me. Um, partly because of how he tells it's a story. You know, you're walking through this adventure with him, and then there are excerpts. So it's how he speaks in the book or, or, or writes that was beneficial to me. Um, I I tried Atomic Habits. I didn't really get very far. I got stuck. Uh, I want to make sure I end up reading it, but uh, as an example, but um, this one I could not put the book down, and a lot of the concepts in the book I knew, right? I understood. I kind of you know, but the way he spoke about it. It made just, a lot of sense. Oh my gosh, it just ingrained in my brain. And then I started, okay, I'm going to implement this. And I mean, I got a pen out and I'm underlining and I'm going to town. And she's like, you underlined that whole page. I'm like, yeah, it's all important, you know? <laughs> and um, I'm going back now uh, and I'm highlighting now different spots that maybe I missed or I really want to ingrain. And it's, uh, I think I'm making it a goal to read it every year. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I, um, I feel that way about QBQ. I try and read that like, Every single six months, I try and do that. But I, I feel exactly the same way you did. Yeah. When I first picked it up, I started listening, and I was like, I can't stop. Because I'm a listener. I listen. I'm always – I like to hike. And it's funny because I was listening this morning, and I was ta- I was kind of – I've re-listened to it also in a little bit of preparation. But one of the things that he talks about is focus mode. He goes, there's focus mode, and then there's an unfocused mode. In focus mode, your brain is constantly working. He talks about being on a phone a lot. Now, even just I'm on that chapter right now. When, like, we're, like, when we're like breaking, we're trying, we're <laughs> bored, and we, we, we can't not focus. We focus, and it's like lifting weights, and that unfocused mode is so important. When I go hiking, I like to start listening to a book or something, and then when I find my brain wandering, when I get into an unfocused, I turn it off, and I just let it go. Right. And I think the biggest thing for Stephen and I when we read it, because we Stephen reads all these books with me. I love him to death uh, for, for going on all of my silly adventures with me. Uh, but we both kind of read this book and we went, okay, we're not crazy. Because we both are most comfortable outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. Right? My personality profile says likes to live on the edge of chaos. Oh, wow. And in a restaurant, that's pretty important because you can push and that's yeah, how absolutely. you take care of the most people most, you know, uh, most properly. But it, when you think about it in the context of this book, that's part of it too. You're supposed to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I'm very comfort comfortable in that outside. I when I walk and run and bike, I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to them in the car or books. You know, I'm just out there and get into thinking mode as quickly as possible. I think it's. Um, I love the idea. So if you haven't read the book, this is my favorite concept of the book. Was he kind of. I visioned him putting his hands up like I'm doing now. And if you're listening to this and you read the book, if you're watching this right now, I've put in the comments, I put a link. You can join this conversation. You just have to click that link to StreamYard and it will put you right here in a little green room and I can put you on the screen and you can join us and you can put your own words in. We're happy to have you join us if you've read this book and you have something you want to add. But he says that we all live in a potential. Our potential is this comfort zone that we, we, that's who we think we are is every day we drive down the same roads, we walk in and say the same thing, we hear the same jokes, we eat the same food, we do the same stuff, and that we know is comfortable. But there's, if we live in this t- center of like a dartboard, that center bullseye, our potential is the entire thing. And if we step outside of that, we recognize potentials. So the first thing I did, because it was the middle of summer when I read this and it was like 100 degrees outside, is I turned the air conditioner off and I rode, drove to work. Just as a dumb, I'm not going to be sitting in an air-conditioned air world. Right. I'm going to be uncomfortable. And it was very uncomfortable driving to work in a, like a sauna, essentially, and just showing up to work sweating. 
But when you walk into work, no matter what the temperature is in there, you're just, you, you're like, God bless, this feels amazing. But it changes your perspective when you get uncomfortable and then you step back into something that potentially could be uncomfortable. It's still hot in the restaurant, still hot in the kitchen. Well, everybody's like, this is so damn hot. I'm like, it feels great in here. <laughs> There's a cliche of you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And in restaurants, that is, when people say, oh, it's so hot in the kitchen, you're like, wow. That's the thing. Let me point this out to you. <laughs> this is how it goes. It's never going to be 67 degrees in here in the summertime. So, Stephanie, you are not in the restaurant industry. You're just an amazing human, and you do awesome stuff. What did your What was your kind of take on this thing when you first started reading it? And Well, I had a lot of thoughts because I, um, like your wife, I listen to audiobooks constantly, and almost all of them are like this self-help kind of realm yeah um and i'm i listen to them on like double speed usually and kind of try to pick up all the nuggets and then go back because most like atomic habits is a lot of fluff there's a lot of good information but there's a lot of fluff so like i try to pick up what i want and then maybe i'll go back and get that part those important parts and i thought that this book had a lot of amazing nuggets of wisdom um like like what you were talking about and so many things that we really need to address I also thought the book had some problems. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I'm happy to talk more about that if that is a space for it. But Of um, course. No, but what, what were some of the m- most important nuggets, the important things you got? Because we we both thought that after Chapter 2, we got the concept. <laughs> yeah. After Chapter 2, I was and like... it said seven more hours left. I was like, oh my. <laughs> like, I, mean, <laughs> I got it already. I get it. Get uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, yeah. get it. And we, we both were kind of like... And then the rest of it, we listened to it. But like the last four or five hours, like... Did you kill the caribou? Right. What, did you get it? Like, yeah, I I, I'm, I'm hanging out to find out at the end of the story what really happened. Yeah, for those who, who haven't read the book, it kind of juxtaposes the story of him going on a hunt in the Arctic with these different chapters where he's sharing different nuggets of wisdom. Um, I could have probably done without the hunt part of the book for me, but it was it was fairly well written. Yeah. And it sounded like a good adventure that he went on. Um, but intentionally, a Masogi, and it was yes. hard to challenge. He would did it to challenge himself. And he shares this concept of Masogi, which is a Japanese concept of like doing something extremely challenging, basically. And he describes it as having two, uh, I don't know, two parameters, and that it's like you should have a fifty percent su- chance of success, and you don't die. That's it. Well, he said, and challenge yourself. The two rules are two you rules. have to challenge you. yourself as much as you possibly can to the edge of your possible <laughs> extreme. And number two is don't die. Yeah. I, I felt like I real that concept really resonated with me as a person who likes a challenge and thought, oh, yeah, I, you know, what challenges are coming up for me? But then I was like, a 50% success rate and don't die, especially if you're giving advice to people who are not professionals. Yeah, or rich or ready for the outdoors, that is setting people potentially up for disaster. I I have hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. Oh, wow. I've done a lot of hiking and things like that. And if people are not- Climb Mount Kilimanjaro. If I have. Fuji. I mean, you've done- I've done a lot of things. If people are not prepared, if they are 50% prepared, that's just stupid. Like, if you're talking about something like this, I understand if if you're Misogi is, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and walk my dog every day for a month. That's, I probably have a 50% success rate if I said I was <laughs> yeah, going to exactly. do that, you know? Especially in this weather. Exactly. Um, but if you're doing something really challenging in the wilderness, you're going to be putting not only your own life at, or limb at risk, but someone else's. So I just, but I think the concept is is really, really good. Just those rules, I was like. Um, and then the other, the other 
so you asked what I really <coughs> liked about the book. I really liked that concept and just getting uncomfortable. And I mean, I think so much about our phones and what it's doing to our brains. Mm. I think a lot about our brains because I have a three-year-old and um, I'm also a person who quit drinking and I'm really interested in addiction and what, how all this stuff is related because they are sa- the very similar neural pathways. Um, so I thought, I, I thought a lot of what he said was really good. <coughs> However... He also recommends like getting uncomfortable by being hungry. Um, and <coughs> I just looked up a statistic because I work in nonprofit and I happen to, you know, work closely with people who work in food banks. And one in one out of eight people in middle Tennessee is hungry every day. You know, and so this book I do think I would have appreciated if he would have recognized at the beginning that he's coming from a place of privilege. Yes. Like, if he acknowledged that in the beginning, because I think there's a lot of people who are struggling and maybe would not relate to this book. Like, it's definitely written for white males. Well, but he also said, and you're in a group full of white males, but he said people that have that background typically live happier, more enriched lives because they live kind of uncomfortably. So when they do get to be, like, the problem is, is white males, we're way, we have the ability to be comfortable all the time. And I think that if you're... Like if you grew up with stress, he said those people are able to weather challenges. Mm-hmm. Better, you know, a yeah. pandemic happens, something happens to them. They're like, Shh, I didn't have food for nine weeks. This is a cakewalk. It, it's about perspective, and even in a privilege, if you can find that perspective, you can go even farther. I think that's true, but there is probably that person also has underlying trauma that may or may not be being dealt with, and so it's just like. It's bigger, I think, yeah. than what than what he's talking about. But I do appreciate how much research he cites in the book. He basically suggests choosing to go hungry, and a whole lot of people in the world don't choose to go hungry. Yeah, exactly. They would choose not to be hungry. Well, I, I just think it's important to acknowledge that this is a book for yeah. affluent people. You know, yeah. Just well, he talked about you know the guy who does the sports science who can make people at the very top of the very top of you know, physical activity better in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly only a few people in the world have that opportunity even to spend their money on something that could help them do that. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, <laughs> jump in here. Yeah, you know, um, I love the book. Uh, it, it got me immediately due to my history with friends going up to Alaska on hunts. I had a couple of friends that went straight out of high school to Alaska to work for a year on boats. Um, and when I described how far this guy went in uh, to the backcountry, they're like, that is crazy. And you went for how long? <laughs> right. Um, that was an intense trip for any individual to take. And obviously he trained for it and he, he talked about his training. So it kind of grabbed me uh, immediately from that perspective. But really what got me was in the later chapters uh, when he when he um, visited Bhutan, which is north of Bangladesh, the southern borders of China, and visited the Kempi Tashi and started discussing the concepts of death. That was really special to me, you know, and looking at how each and every one of us walks to that and we kind of... Uh, try to get out of that comfort zone and and uh, not pay attention to what inevitably we all reach. And, I mean, that was just a great, a great segment. Um, I really, this book actually 
got me into meditation practices, trying to clean my head from thoughts and, and, you know, our first walk together in the park, when we were talking about these chapters, I'm like, you know what? Um, I usually listen to books, but now I'm going to uh, take my headphones out and listen to the nature. And I think that was also brought up later in the book um, concerning the parks that Japan has created to help mental, um, I guess, mental clarity for their, their citizens. So that's, you know, my take kind of came in later in the chapters when they were talking about those topics. Well, that's interesting because we just said do the first few parts of it, we, we get the picture, but you're saying at the end of the book, there's some of the individual <laughs> specifics about that that really spoke to you I, personally. I would have going to through. agree with you as well. That that chapter about death and it, how's it, I'm not sure how he pronounces it, Mitakpa? Mitakpa? Something like that. I even have that a reminder in my phone goes up four times to <laughs> practice that. Um, and just that nothing is absolute, you know, and just to, it kind of takes you out of the stressors of the day and to go, okay, what's really important, you know? Yep. What's so I would agree with you. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a concept in like, um, in AA, you know, you're talking about like the 12 steps where they say that you've asked a higher power to remove you from your insanity. I think it's step three. But like your insanity, what is it? And I think that there's an insanity that most people who drink too much are trying to escape. And what we try and do is we try and control everything. We try and control things that we have no control over. And there's an insanity to that where we try and control things that we have absolutely zero control over and it will drive you mad and it will create resentments and it creates anger and frustration and this world is at me and there's a moment where you meditate where you just sit alone in your thoughts and that's where prayer comes in for me that's when i pray as i pray i go just take this all the things i can this really the serenity prayer and then it's something that you've kind of latched onto mm -hmm. also is an amazing part of Stephen here just kind of recognizing that concept but for me after I take a moment and I pray or whatever it is, I can leave that with clarity and go, I can't control those things. And I'm, I'm going to control the things I can and the person that I can. And that helps me every day be able to do the things because I'm not worried about the exterior, all that noise. It's an amazing, amazing thing in life to do. Yeah, meditation is not easy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely uncomfortable at the first time because everything jumps into your head and you're trying to clear it out. Meditation is different for so many people it's different for everybody and trying to get that clarity it's it's difficult and it's uncomfortable but um, it, but when you're finished with it oh it's bliss i wonder what sometimes i get done with a meditation i'm like where did i just go like what just happened anybody else do that see i'm not i've never practiced meditation and in, i'm actually in the chapter it said if that's not your thing and i probably have not tried it enough and been disciplined enough but he said get out and take a walk and so I call it my, uh, my nature's dose of Xanax. So there you go. I try no, to get out. That's a real thing. And get out and do that. And that just walking and just, okay, no phone, walking and just looking at the trees, taking in whatever. That is where I get my clarity. You get bored. Yeah. He talks about getting bored. Yeah. Well, I think so much of this comes back to the concept of mindfulness. Um, and I think that the, it's really exciting to hear you guys talking about this. These are, I've been, I've been meditating every day for a long time. Um, 
and but mindfulness is still a real challenge for me and and I, and it's part of when you go for a walk look at the trees hear hear what's going on around you and again i i struggle so much with the phone because the phone Same. is just a constant interrupter in our lives and it's gotten to the point where it's really a part of our culture and so i liked a lot of the stuff that he had to say <clears throat> about that although i don't know that i felt like i got Really good, clear guidance on the phone, but mindfulness, especially in the chat, he has a chapter about food. And I think what, what he's ultimately saying there is mindfulness Mm -hmm. with our food, um, and really thinking, am I hungry? What's going on with me right now? And that concept in my life is that's a, that's something that I'm really, really working on with so many different things. Cause anytime we're just doing something mindlessly, whether it's sleeping under a roof in our bed at night, you know, if you go camping for three days, you come back, you're like, oh my God, I have a roof. I have a bed. But could you practice that every day? Just like thinking that's about just grati- That's just gratitude. Yeah. I mean, just practicing gratitude on a regular basis for some of the things we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Steven, we're just over here. We talked about the, the serenity prayer and kind of things you can't control. And I said you... Well, earlier in my in my life, when I swam a lot in a pool, you literally you're going back and forth and back and forth, looking at the black line in the bottom of the pool, and all it was was meditation. I mean, your your physical body knows what to do, when to turn, but the ability of your brain just to think about all types of different. And you're like, why would I be even thinking about this? But it, because you're in this enclosed, you know, space where your your body is working pretty hard, but your mind doesn't have to. I think part of this is being intentional with that, right? So I mean, yeah, yeah, that's the with the whole misogi. It doesn't have to be. I mean, this getting your danger zone and maybe. I mean, I have a very good friend of mine uh, in college who was killed by an amateur hunter. I haven't gone hunting because I don't want to kill somebody accidentally across the campfire from me in in Alaska, which is exactly what happened to him. Um, so I, I don't get that far out of my comfort zone because I don't even know what I'm doing. I was never trained, and I could go through training and all that. But it's to me, it's really not worth it. I can find something else. You know, that's uncomfortable. And I don't think it has to be that dire. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, the other day I'm riding my bike and instead of taking the 28 mile easy route, I take the 42 mile harder route, you know, and when I had 10 miles left, I was like, well, I wish I had taken the easier one, but I really didn't. Right. You know? Well, I think that's reading it for me. I realized how often I'm outside of my comfort zone little things that I do, it's kind of said it was kind of confirming that I'm not just a crazy person that like, Oh, these are good things, which was nice. Cause I felt a little more confident. Like, okay. So me trying all these insane things isn't because I'm crazy that I'm, I crave being outside of my, I crave learning. I want to constantly be learning that concept of getting a little bit better every single day. It doesn't happen when you do the same thing every single day. But I think that what it did for me was it made me a little more intentional. You know, when I had a decision, like to be intentionally bored, um, we're, we work with uh, the AOS model in our restaurants. We have something that are called clarity breaks. And it's really important that we schedule managers for regular clarity breaks. Like I need you to take two hours and go hiking or do something that's, but not like go be on your phone sitting in your car, like do something intentional where you think about work or think, you know, you just start walking and start thinking about concepts around scheduling. How can you make scheduling better? So go take a walk, go do something where you don't use your phone, go walk around this trail for an hour and a half. But think about that, like, and just let your brain wander. I think being intentional about doing stuff like that is the probably the biggest thing, like taking the easy route or the hard route, like turning your air conditioner on or leaving it off, kind of creating that uncomfortable mode just to see what it does 
I think it's something that I've tried to do. Is there anything that you, as a result of the book, have started doing differently on a daily basis because of it? Well, I think uh, I think you spoke about the "Am I hungry?" I do think that some, I'm like, why why am I eating something if I'm not hungry? I mean, if there's a my kid leaves a bag of Doritos open on the on the counter, should I eat four of those or should I just wrap it up and put it back in the in the bag or shouldn't we have Doritos at all? But that is a, a big part of it. Is we and a, the whole starving yourself. That's I don't know the realities of that. It works better and you're probably healthier. But the fact that we don't need to eat all the time. I mean, do I need to take something home from the restaurant at eight o'clock at night? Probably not. So, do I need so this good. apple fritter? Oh, it is good. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not eating the apple fritter. I look. I, at the, it looks good, but no. for me, it comes back to mindfulness. Like I love apple fritters from Donut Den. This is one of my favorite things in the world. Hell yeah, I'm gonna eat it. But I'm gonna pay attention and try to enjoy it, and then you know later on maybe go. Okay, well I had an apple fritter, so I'm gonna go a little easy on whatever else I might eat. And I do one thing that I also want to say, just for any ladies who might be listening, he he does have a chapter on diet, and he talks about intermittent fasting and fasting in general which I have not really done any actual fasting and I'm interested in, but <clears throat> there is a lot of science about women and that intermittent fasting and fasting can be dangerous, especially if you're a woman who's menstruating. So that's another reason why I say this book is just, it's written for men. They don't take into account that women have cycles and that you probably shouldn't fast during certain times of your cycle. So there's a great book called In the Flow and a book called The Fifth Vital Sign that I recommend that women check out or men who are interested in Learning about women? People who have <laughs> periods, <laughs> yes. Good stuff. Matthew? We're uh, just, we're just talking yeah, to s- uh, I'm, I think I definitely am a little bit of a freak on this book. I, I have adopted a lot of the concepts. Um, I'm telling you, when this thing spoke to me, and, and again, I've these self-help type of books never have just grabbed me. And I think I liked it all the way through, partly because of the hunt. I knew he was going to kill the caribou. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm a hunter. <laughs> so I enjoyed, I'm like, all right. And I wanted to, you know, he was not. And I was excited to, I have people ask me, oh, I'd love to go on a hunt with you sometime. And I'm like, we'll see. And I've, you know, I don't know how people are when they've, you know, for me, I'm a hunter, but there's a, there's a bit of respect with the kill. And I'm not a brown, it's down kind of guy. That's not what I do. I mean, I feel I respect for means. the animal. And it's just, you're out there to shoot, a, shoot, shoot something. And take something's life. That's not how I how I work. Yeah. And um, so I've always kind of been curious. I have a, a friend of mine who wants to go, and it's, I have a bird dog, and we I hunt quail, and he wants to go with me. He shoots sporting clays, and he really wants to kind of go up to to quail. And I'm like, well, have you have you ever harvested? And that's first off, that's how I use the term. Have you harvested a bird before? Have you harvested another animal? Um, no, I haven't. Okay, so let's maybe you go with me, watch me do it. Let's see how you feel. Um, but I wanted, I was excited to see how he, he would feel after he took that shot and how, because Donnie, uh, in the book, obviously I've, I know who he is and have known for a while. And I, I think his process and his, um, kind of philosophy on conservation is really incredible. And he comes at it from a, from a, the right way or the right position. Um, but, um, Versus flying over the flock, the guys. That, the, I Correct. love the rule in Alaska that you can't shoot the day that you fly, right? And that like you have to land and then actual hunt because otherwise it's poaching. You're just yeah, you're just it's just it's shooting fish in a barrel, exactly. So to speak. And I mean, I probably I, mean, I don't go to obviously Donnie's extent just because we don't have those those parameters. Uh, our opportunities are different. We live in Middle Tennessee. There's lots of deer, etc. Um, but um, 
yeah, so I, I was really excited to get to the whole book, book and I was so dialed in. Uh, again, I knew he was going to shoot the caribou. I was excited to see how he was going to do that. So it captivated me through the whole thing. So from the McTakpa to um, fitness was big uh, for me. You know, I like to think I'm relatively in shape. And then when I read, and I cannot remember, I'm excited to get back to that chapter. When I read the chapter on, you know, what is actually recommended, I'm not hitting that. I wasn't. Um, to be truly, you know, healthy, I'm like, wow, I really need to up my game. So I went out and bought a whoop, um, really trying to be mindful of my fitness and um, pushing myself because health is wealth. I'm about to have my, you know, my, my first kid. I want to be able to do all the things with him and have, you know, a healthy longevity, you know, long, long life with him. And so um, just being very focused on that portion. Um, the phone was huge, um, especially in, in my career. You know, I want to be available at all times for all of my clients. And, and I do definitely do that. But I have to set some time for myself. And that's where I try to get out in nature, take a walk. Um, it's amazing what that has done for me. Um, yesterday felt a little stress. So, I mean, every day is stressful, but I felt a little extra stress. So I called my wife and said, Hey, I'm heading home. How do you feel about going for a walk right before we go to dinner? She said, that would be great. And so we took the, the bird dog to get some energy out and we went on a walk and I've never found something just because it's mindful. Like, why am I doing this? I'm not going to do, I'm going to get out of my head, you know? Um, so that was another thing that I've adopted. And then um, I've gotten better at picking up the phone. I actually put timers on apps so I wouldn't be forced. Because you're sitting there, you're doing nothing. Your instinct is to pull up that phone, check Instagram. Everything I follow is about the outdoors anyway. So I'm like, you know, what, what are you doing? Let's just go there. Yeah, I know. What am I do- Why am I looking at it? Let's go do it. Um, but um, those are the biggest things that I have, you know. Next, next time you're at an airport, like you fly southwest, when there's a when there's when they co- just look around at people in an airport like you could get away with murder in an airport because nobody's looking around anymore. Every single person's just looking down at their phone. Nobody's looking at anything. They're just like, <laughs> I'm bored. I want to get this done. Like, I that's, immediately I thought you put that phone down. And you just sit there in an airport and look around the room. I'll bet it's ten times more interesting looking at that phone. Whatever you're looking at. I, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus. Sorry, dad, if you're listening or will listen. Um, we're in a, it, we're, it's Thanksgiving. We're all hanging out. I have this very functionally dysfunctional family. Um, mom and dad are divorced, both remarried. Everybody gets along. My dad, my stepdad and I all go hunting together. Nobody gets shot. Uh, so it's, it's awesome. Um, but we're sitting in the tree stand. My dad and I just to spend some time together. We're going to harvest a doe and he's on his phone. I'm like, you bored? Get off your phone. I was like, oh, I have to say it's comfort crisis. But is this Michael Easter approved? And he's like, all right, you're right, all right, fair. Um, but yeah, there was a point during Thanksgiving where I looked down, myself included, my dad, my stepdad, uh, my brother-in-law, and I were all on our phones. I'm like, what are we doing? So I was like, all right, phone's on the table. Let's talk. 100%. You know, last time I was in uh, Chicago at O'Hare, and I had a two-hour layover. I walked 3.8 miles. Just, I turned on Strava and just kept walking till I, you know, till it was a half hour left. I better go back and get on the plane. And it was different than sitting there just looking at nothing. Right. Yeah. You should give out free appetizers every time you get eye contact with somebody in a different city. 
That's it. it happens. Yeah. You know, I see people all the time. I'm like, oh, hey. Um, <coughs> something at the end of the book that I thought was really interesting was the chapter on rucking, uh, hiking, basically hiking, wearing weights. Did you start? I guess I should Ooh, say I, w- I want to hear about it. But yeah, <coughs> I, um, I have, I've hiked the Appalachian Trail, so I've backpacked. So I have hiked with weight on my back. And when I had the baby, we got a little uh, baby carrier and hiked with him on my back. But in general, I do, I do a lot of trail running. Um, <coughs> so I hadn't really ever thought about that concept. And he basically says it's the best form of exercise that you can do, which I had not ever heard anyone say that before. So I felt like that was really enlightening. And um, our mom actually like has started, she's not using weights, but she started walking and like in the hopes awesome. that we can eventually do this. So well, I she read the book. Yeah. That's my mom awesome. read the book too. And she's like, oh my gosh, I just, she's like addicted now to being outside of her comfort zone, which is, yeah, it's just, I guess it's being intentional, mindful. <laughs> I thought the rucking chapter was uh, good, but I, I thought it was almost like an advertisement. I mean, it was a little yeah. much. I'm like, yeah, we, we get it, but. I did uh, buy a rug. I've seen several people with the backpacks on, and it, it makes yeah. total. But I think most people just getting out and actually doing that three-mile walk is you know, we'll baby step it to you know putting 50 pounds on your back right. and doing it. Yep. So I, I bought a 40-pound weight vest yeah. and a 20-pound, uh, it's, a, it's a sack that you fill with 20 pounds of sand. I got it, too. <laughs> he got me man oh, this book man. he just sucked me i'm like all right well yep. take my money so i do the, i do the white trail at percy warner park and i probably look like a crazy terrorist because the <laughs> the weight vest looks like a flak jacket and i'm carrying this big old sack and i've got it sometimes i got it over my head sometimes i got it on my shoulder because mm-hmm. it's it's a pain in the butt. Do you carry, carry a rifle also <laughs> just yeah, to make the whole I probably thing? carry a stick across my back or something <laughs> crazy like but, a ninja hat oh, just crazy just but, you know, it's the working out chapter brings me back to uh, a conversation that I had with a bunch of buddies watching the World Cup just recently and how we all got injured at our at our uh, varsity get-together during uh, reunion week. So they get all the varsity players, the, the alumni, and we play the JV team. Every year there's massive injuries. And, <laughs> and we all work out beforehand. We're on treadmills. We go walking. We go running and stuff. But – it's one of the it's the concept of training that the medicine and the the science that's behind training now that we didn't have then. You know, we're all on treadmills, we're doing stadium steps, but the resistance during those is what causes injuries. When you're running 50 miles an hour down a, a, a streak going towards the goal and somebody's grabbing onto your arm and tweaking all those side muscles and you're fighting for position, that's a different type of running. You're not on a treadmill at that time. And I think that's what he was saying. Uh-huh. Like just being out there in the elements doing that is the real exercise. <laughs> the real stuff. But the rucking is really <clears throat> like I, I after about two or three weeks of that and then going back on the trail without any of that, it's like, why am I doing it without that anymore? So I'm the I, I'm similar to you, but I'm like the way uh, I'm I'm embarrassingly like I use my wife's weights. So she has like the little ankle purple? weights. Purple. Yeah, they're like they're like pink or purple or whatever. <laughs> but like I'll put these ankle weights on, and then I just take like barbells and I put them in a backpack, and I just use those. That's what I started doing. So yeah. I'm I'm just like barbells in a backpack, and I've got these bright pink ankle weights on. And I'm <laughs> running like 
Oh, that's cute. That guy stole his wife's workout equipment <laughs> to come out to the, the trail today. And I don't care. I just, I'm like, what? you see me go by you and that's it. I don't care. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, uh, definitely made the, the hikes more challenging. And I just like all the looks that I get when I'm carrying crazy stuff in the woods. I do it in my neighborhood, so I look real weird. Like, at least they're like, oh, he's on a trail. He's doing, I'm like in Creep Hall, Nashville, Tennessee, walking around off the road, like trying to not be on the road and make it more difficult. And they're like, what is wrong with this dude? So at least you're on a trail. You go to Ellington? <laughs> I do. Okay. I was like, go yeah. to Ellington. Well, I walk to Ellington, so I'm uh, kind of going all the back roads and they're like, what? Well, and did, then I get to Ellington. And did you get a weird. vest or did you get one of these back? Did you get a Go Ruck? I got a Go Ruck vest training vest okay. um and then i have the i don't take the sandbags with me that like the it's almost like a kettlebell i don't take those with me but now i'm gonna have to yeah you gotta um, carry that around i know <laughs> um but uh yeah <laughs> you know i found that when uh, when we had children when we had our first child i had to shorten my i didn't have enough time so right. i had to shorten my exercise cycle and that's when i started to basically learn to run because you can go and knock out you know, some pretty in, you right. can, in an hour, whereas as a cyclist, you know, it takes three hours to get that much exercise, same as you would get basically in an hour running. Uh, and that was a, it's certainly something we thought about and how are we going to do this? You, I mean, you can also just walk out your front door, kind of like you said, go run and come back. You don't have to go and figure out, you know, what you know, back road you're going to get on and things like that. Right, exactly. All right, guys. Well, I think this has been a lively conversation. I think we, I appreciate all of you for being here. Do, am I, am I, missing anything i think that what i want to do is as kind of a final thought is i'd like to go through and have you guys rate the book on a scale of five stars one being like i would not recommend it don't do it on a scale of five isn't like this book changed my life you should definitely read it and then i'm going to reveal what the next book is in brandon's book club which is a such a humbling name <laughs> I didn't know what else to call it. Like, it's so dumb. Uh, who wants to start? Stephanie looks like she wants to start. Well, I was just going to suggest maybe you should call it Brandon's Book Buds so you get, like, more alliteration. Yeah. And it sounds like you have friends. Well, let's not go too far. Brandon's um, Book Buds. Again, self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start since I grabbed the mic. Um, I think I would give it four stars. I felt like there was a lot of uh, really good stuff in there. Again, I mentioned some of the things that I thought were problematic about it, but hearing you all talk about how it changed your life and seeing our mom immediately take inspiration from it, um, I think that's huge. So I would, like, after having this conversation, I would definitely recommend it to people. I'd probably give them some kind of a caveat. But it is, I work in a world where, like, people just don't have enough you know, and people are yeah. really struggling. And so that's always on my mind that this could just really be taken the wrong way. So that, that's all. We'll just go around the room, Justin. Yeah. So I would also give it a four star um, due to the historical references, um, how innovation happens when humans get uncomfortable. Um, there are modern examples, past examples. I spoke about the book maybe two dozen times to I don't even know how many people while I was reading it. Um, I don't ever do that with any other book, uh, which is very, very interesting. I would definitely recommend this book. All right. Good stuff. Matthew? So I'm similar. Um, 
don't talk about books often and it's not my those kind these type of books aren't my necessarily my cup of tea and I'd give it a five out of five um I'm healthier because of it I'm both physically and mentally mentally probably more so um far more mindful um which for me and my personality has been life-changing truly this book I mean it was hard I was debating on if I was going to post about this book on social media and I'm so glad that I did um you know, I, I think I had 12 or so people message me and say, just bought it, just bought it that day, um, which was really neat. And I, I stand behind it and it, it definitely changed my life and I'm a better person for it. So, so much that I'm going back and rereading. Amazing. Steven? I, well, I really enjoyed the book, but I'd probably give it three and a half because for me it was more life affirming than life changing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a confrontational person by nature. I don't mind getting out of my comfort zone. I, and I also have the means to go and, you know, drive my car and take a whole day and, you know, bike, you know, two or 3,000 vertical feet because I can and I have a bike that can actually do that. But knowing, but that also, the reason I'm doing that is kind of a you know, small misogy every day to be uncomfortable. I like being uncomfortable. I tell my, ch- my son every day, he's a swimmer, you know, he's a sophomore in high school. I said, you got to suffer, learn to suffer because that's, that's the fun part. That's really what changes you and makes it better. Gives you and, perspective. And, and I think, you know, the mindfulness part was really uh, pretty important here, that you know, the choices you're making are the choices you're making, and you can make the choice not to do that. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a book that really anybody can relate to. Anybody, and anybody can read. You don't have to have a certain level of intelligence. Anybody could read it and take something from it immediately. In any book that you can practically take and immediately start applying to your life and make changes tomorrow, I think is amazing. Stuff that's going to help you propel yourself forward. And the idea, I just keep going back to that little circle that we live in that is our comfort zone and then our potential, which is so far out there. And that feeling that I get when I get outside, Mike, like for years, I mean, just to go back to the drinking thing, like I thought, well, drinking is, that's my comfort zone. I live in this comfort zone. And when I stopped drinking, I went like, oh my gosh, I had all these preconceived notions about what this would be like, and they were all wrong. And so I find it like incredibly exciting and challenging to get outside of my comfort zone because I never want, like, I'm just hungry to constantly be learning. Uh, so I'm going to give it, I'm, I give it a five star because it did. It did change my life. It changed my life in that reaffirming way, like you talked about. I told a ton of people about it. We made it the monthly. That this is the book club book, and um, and I recommend it to anybody who feels stuck. Anybody who feels stuck, it just lets you. It just opens your eyes to things you can do immediately to start improving yourself. And I think those are the kind of books that we need out there. Not that you should read it, but each individual person read it, look in the mirror and make the appropriate adjustments that you feel like you need to make. There's not like a, I like the fact that there wasn't a, when you get to this point, you're done. Like it's a dude, you're it's life is a journey and every single day, be mindful and live it. Stop and smell the roses, you know, kind of a thing. Can I ask a question? Do we have time? Yeah, go for it. I'm just curious if anybody has uh, kind of staged a Masogi or something like that, that they have coming up. If anybody's doing anything, they feel like it's big. I am going on an elk hunt. Now, that's not because of the book. This was already planned. Um, but it's going to be pretty big. And we'll be light. We 
could potentially be staying out in the elements, depending it'll be in Wyoming um, with my dad and my stepdad and a few other uh, friends of ours. So that will be next, this coming October. Awesome. Yeah, so in about a year. Um, it's been, I think, three or four years in the making, so that's kind of the big one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I do not. I have a, I, I feel like every day there are small Masogis that when I feel challenged, I go, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable and I go, let's dig deeper. Like, let's keep going on that. And I, I was riding bikes with my oldest the other day and we were, he was like, dad, I'm cold. Cause it was, it was on Sunday and it was like, it's day started off at 60 degrees and then it progressively got colder through the day. We left at like 10 AM and we were like an hour into the bike ride and we did like eight miles together. But on the way back, he's like, dad, this is so cold. And I go, this is where it gets fun. I was like, buddy, this is a, a teachable moment. Like when it's cold, you don't think go farther. This is where you lean into it and build. This is where it gets uncomfortable and this is okay. Like it's okay. It's 50 degrees. It's not like it's 12, <laughs> you know, but riding a bike in a 50 degree, like the wind starts it's hitting so and it's, he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and it's like, I knew it wasn't going to be unsafe for him, but I was like, it was a great teachable moment to say, Get, get uncomfortable get this is this is what builds some grit to you you need this like this is something that's good so i, I just i recognize moments more now but i i be kind of fun to to book something like that isn't january 18th when i'm having a kid isn't that the ultimate you know <laughs> yes, okay is. just making sure so i have two i guess i'm impressed that all of us with children haven't given a ton of unsolicited advice throughout this I'll, wait till we go off mic yeah go off mic and i'll take all the notes <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, everybody who's out there watching this. This is uh, you can watch this if you're listening to this on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Uh, you can. Oh wow! Look, we have some comments. Sex find. Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> we're being spammed. I love that. Uh, if you are listening to this uh, on Nashville Restaurant Radio, we encourage you to go. You can watch us all talk about this stuff over at our YouTube page as well as on the Facebook page. You can watch the video and. Uh, Next month, this next book club, we are going to be reading Will Godera has a book, and it is called Unreasonable Hospitality. I'll tell you right now, I'll give it five stars. I've already read the book. Yeah, me too. I already read it. And it is, it is for me, life-changing. There's more so than this one. Uh, if you're in this industry, if you're in any industry. Any service industry. I, I think the concept of the book was whatever you're in, you could be in the service industry. It doesn't matter what you do. You can be in the service industry. And um, I'm really excited to do this book with this audience because, whew, man, I, I've, I got so excited reading this. It was, um, it was pretty amazing. My whole leadership team, we've already read it. But like, I want to get everybody else out there. And I want to have a conversation like this around unreasonable hospitality because it will change your life too. I think so. Oh, I agree. It's pretty good. It's especially uh, focused on mindfulness of hospitality and service. Oh, being in, in any, if you have, if you know somebody who has a birthday, this is a good book, which is everybody, right? <laughs> and if you know somebody who, if you, I think, I think that the idea of being intentional with what you're doing for people is really cool. Gift cards are the antithesis of this book. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and it, it, you know, one of my favorite parts about the book is basically when you have difficult people, don't take it personally. Just solve the problem. You know. 
that's you can, a, you can those are the easiest people to wow. That's, that's an amazing, yeah, it's an amazing point. And we're going to talk about that in depth uh, coming up. So uh, Will Godera in his book is called Unreasonable Hospitality. I'm going to try and get Will to come on the show and, and discuss it with us because uh, he's, uh, he's an awesome guy. Right on. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And um, I guess have a wonderful rest of the month. And hopefully we can do this again next month. Right on. Sounds great. <laughs> all right, guys. All right.